This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. You are now listening to the Heroic Council. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Heroic Council. Today, Parshel and I are joined by Lisa Peskin. Hi, Lisa. Hello there. How are you? We're doing great. We're doing great. So Lisa is the CEO and founder of Business Development University. She has over 35 years experience in sales and sales leadership. She is passionate about helping individuals, teams, and companies maximize their sales efforts. And she just showed us, she just published her sales success workbook, which we're so excited to talk about today. And it's geared towards helping selling professionals and non-selling professionals and sales leaders take their performance to the next level. Lisa, so much to unpack here. Welcome to our show. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Did we miss anything? Is there anything else we should know about you? No, you got a lot covered right there. We'll go from there. Perfect. Perfect. So let's just, let's just dive into this, this workbook here. I mean, you showed it to us a little bit earlier. Why did you write this? What was the the need? I'm I'm assuming you're responding to a need. That's why you started uh, writing this. And you said you it's a, really been a, a work in progress for many years for you. It really is. So I'll be Vanna White for a second and just show everybody. Um, so basically, I wrote a sales success workbook, and the whole idea behind this was putting everything that I've ever learned in sales and sales leadership into one easy to use self-paced workbook that people could use so if they're not hitting their numbers some of the ideas and tools in here might be able to help them hit their numbers and if they're just average can we get them to be good and if they're good can we make them great and if they're great can we turn them into superstars so this is all about helping people maximize their performance and their potential that's what's been my passion for the past 18 years since i started my company and it's been my passion ever since i got into leadership so it's really just to make a little difference in people's lives that's everything. That's that's amazing. And I love what you said. You know, it's not about being, it's just being a little bit better and, and moving ahead. I mean, I don't care who you are. There's always room for improvement. There's always room for growth. There's always personal development and learning opportunities. So that's, that's really, that's really wonderful. What was it that, that really prompted you to start this and start the, start writing the workbook? So I've been doing two-day sales trainings that have been comprehensive soup to nuts training that we've been using this workbook. And every time I come up with a different thought or idea around any of the key topics, whether it's prospecting, networking, maximizing client relations, or sales process, running an effective first meeting, presenting, handling objections, closing, or even time management. It all has been going into one place, but it never was done because I always thought there could always be more and could always be better. So that whole thing that we go through in life, um, looking for that perfection. But finally, I decided I wanted something that had all my information, that was pleasing to the eye, that people could go through by themselves. 
And that was the way I thought I could have the biggest impact on people. So it's been a culmination of a training workbook that eventually turned into this self-paced workbook. I love it. And Parshel actually said to me something uh, that really hit me last time her and I talked actually. And it was, you know, when you're, when you're an author, you have to know when I, Parshel, I might get it wrong, but you have to write the book, but then you also have to someone tell you when it's time to publish it, to stop writing and publish it and really get it out there. So that, that hits hard for me. I love it. And, you know, not to be morbid, but I just turned 60 and I figure if Tomorrow was my last day here. Everything is here. Everything, this is my whole legacy. And if someone could take one of my tools that I've developed over the years, implement it and have a positive result, then that is the way I'm kind of being able to impact as many people as possible. I love that. And tell us a little bit about your specific perspective on sales. So uh, thank you for asking that. So first of all, I believe that nobody in the whole wide world likes to be sold anything. And I think we've got to stop selling our stuff. It's all about figuring out a way you can help an individual or a company with your product or service. So if we could figure out a way to help them out with our product or service, we'll make the sale. Then I've also whittled down sales success to three areas. And if the two of you have a fourth area, I'd be so interested. So one, filling that pipeline with good qualified opportunities on a consistent basis. And there's three components of that. It's keeping our existing clients, upselling and cross-selling, so leveraging them and developing them, and net new business coming in the door. And I know how someone's doing there. Can they keep their existing clients? Can they penetrate them? And are they getting enough net new logos coming in? So that was number one. Number two is sales process. So when we've got a suspect or prospect in front of us, what's the process that we take them through? How do we run an effective first meeting? How do we gather key information? How do we present our solutions properly and in a compelling manner? How do we handle any objections that might come up along the way? And how do we essentially close the business? So that would be sales process. And I know how someone's doing there because the average sales um, close ratio is 30%. So if someone's south of 30%, I know that there's a step they might be missing as far as their process. But the very last piece, and I think it's half of sales success, is attitude and motivation. Am I willing to do what it takes to be successful? Am I committed to doing it? Day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out. And quite honestly, I think that last component is the most important by far. It sounds very comprehensive to me. I, I, I'm kind of, as you were saying those things, thinking of myself, like, yep, yep, yep. You have to have all of those components. It's, it's, it's really, really critical. Um, you know, I think when we when we think about the people who are using this, you know, who are who are the people that could really benefit from using the workbook? I mean, certainly people who have some of these processes in place. But then a lot of our audience might be hearing that going wow, it, it's just me or it's just me and a small team. Do I need all of those processes and, and things in place? So who's, who's really going to benefit from the workbook? So in my opinion, anyone could benefit from this workbook if they're in a selling or non-selling position. So 
if you're with a very small company or if you're a solopreneur, a consultant, a lawyer, an accountant, architect, engineer, then what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're doing all the right activities. Your time is your most valuable resource. And if we've only got so much of our time to focus on business development, what's the smartest thing for us to do? For someone just starting in sales that's never had any formal sales training or somebody that's very seasoned that might have gotten away from the basics that helped them to be successful in the beginning, all of those people could benefit from some of the tools that I put together in this book because our clients run the gamut from individuals up to sales teams to business owners. Wow. I think it's really important. Yeah, go ahead, Parshall. And and with those three components that you broke down earlier, um, which of those would you say is, I would say, the most simplest to get set up and to maintain, and what's the most difficult to set up and maintain? Right, there's the pipeline building, the process, and then sort of the attitude. So that's a great question. Well, we have control over our attitude and our motivation. And the fact of the matter is there's a direct correlation between the activities that we do and the results that we have. So we've got to make sure we've got a game plan. So to get started, everybody should have a 30, 60, 90 day game plan. What are they going to get done in the next 30, 60, 90 days? And it's rolling, right? And we have activity goals and we've got result goals. So we reverse engineer and all of us could do it. So we start with what our annual goal is. We subtract out where we are year to date. We figure out for the remaining part of the year, what we think we could get with our existing clients as well as upsell and cross-sell. And then we figure out how much net new business we need to have come in. We might apply our average sale, but no matter what, we figure out how many sales. We apply our close ratio. It tells us how many proposals, how many appointments. So at the end of the day, one of your key numbers that everybody's got to take a look at is how many net new appointments do I need to generate each and every week or month to be able to hit my numbers? So where do we need to go to first? You have to come up with a game plan and that's what we need to get done. And then the next part is how are we going to do it? And that's another thing I've put in this book. So whether it be a client, a prospect, or a center of influence, there's a whole cheat sheet of how to conduct these meetings. So instead of having to recreate the wheel, it's just right here that you could cheat off of to help you in your pre-call planning. And that will allow you to be more effective on each conversation. It's like you've given people a secret weapon they can use, like a, a little secret tool. This is so powerful because I think for people who haven't naturally been in sales and are now in sales, or you're right, in a small business kind of a role, you're in sales. I don't care what your position is, you are in sales. And I think that's just so helpful because sales doesn't always come naturally for people. And I know you mentioned the non-selling professional. I think it's really critical. You know, it's it can be really intimidating to think, oh, I just have to cold call a bunch of people. No, sales can look in so many different ways. And when you're providing this cheat sheet for people, wow, that is that is impactful. And that's something that's just so tangible. You know, it's great to learn about the theory of sales. It sounds like you've really given people actual tangible tools that they can use. 
practical tips and almost like a blueprint for success. Mm, so we each have our it. own blueprint, but we have to have some kind of foundation and then we modify from there. And even on my website at businessdevelopmentuniversity.com, there's a place called resources and utensils. There's all these tools that I've developed in the past 35 years that I'm willing to share in word version. So you could take it, download it and modify it for yourself to be your own individual cheat sheet. It's just like a discovery document. Every person, every organization needs some kind of discovery document. But I find so many people are just winging it and they don't have some of that stuff. And so it is about not only theory, but practical, tactical steps. Because when it comes down to it, just like any profession, sales and business development is a profession. And we've got some business owners, like a landscape architect. But every day she's trying to build her organization, get more clients, integrate with more architects, engineers, and her game plan is very different than someone that's going to sell payroll or someone that's going to sell some kind of widget. And you, you just mentioned a number of different scenarios there. I'm curious what, no matter what is being sold, no matter the price point, what are some of those commonalities across the board that are still always going to be relevant and necessary to be successful in sales? I love your questions, by the way. So when, when you think about it, let's go to the first component, the keeping our existing clients, upselling, cross-selling and getting net new clients. So all of us, again, whether we're selling or non-selling professionals, we need to know what we're doing when we're meeting with our clients, right? Instead of doing activity for activity's sake, we want to, what I call, squeeze the lemon. And that's why you see a lot of lemons in my background. And squeeze the lemon isn't making lemonade out of lemons. It's getting the most juice out of every conversation. So what do I do when I meet my clients? So we want a methodical manner. We want our A's, B's, and C's clients. We want to know how often we're visiting our A's, B's, and C's. We got to understand our cadence. And then we've got to understand what we want to accomplish. I want to get so many referrals. I want to get so many LinkedIn recommendations. I want to get so much additional business. I want to find out what associations they're a part of. So maybe I want to join those associations. I might want to find some other vendors that they work with that I can potentially network with. I might find out whether I can use them as a reference and etc. So the first part is our clients. So all of us, we've got to think about what's our plan with our clients. Then we've got What's our plan for filling the pipeline? Are we networking? Are we using LinkedIn? Are we prospecting? Are we shooting out emails? Are we shooting out, you know, LinkedIn invitations? Are we doing videos? Are we going out there networking? What associations do we need to be part of? So I think clients, prospects, networking, three categories that you need to break down smaller goals and have a game plan. And one more thing I'd like to say, if we all think about it this way, and Sarah, maybe I'll do it with you if you don't mind. Sure. So if I said to you, I'm going to send you an all expense paid vacation anywhere in the world for three months, where would you go? Oh, I'm can I take partial because I'm really glad you picked me, but that was, I, I thought you were going to say something else. Okay. Um, well, I would probably, I really want to go to the Maldives, actually. Okay. 
So I don't know too much about, is there, is there a beach or mountains? What yes, is it? It's, it's beachy. It's like you get your own private Island. Fine. Okay. Let's all go there. Everybody, everybody that's listening. Okay. And we're in these, this beautiful beach. The sun's about to set. The sky is so many different colors. I just got you a massage on the beach, by the way. And now I'm going to have your favorite drinks and hors d'oeuvres served. But there's no way that they could be without you for three months. So we're going to have to put your identical twin sister in your spot. Did you know you had one? I wish. Same smart, same background, same experience, same, same lively personality, same intelligence level. But the only thing she can't do is think for herself. So what would you do, have your identical twin sister do for the next three months so you could stay on that island? So we all have to think about that. What would we have somebody else do if, they, if, they, if we put them in our position? What are the activities that they would, should do? And what are the corresponding results? Because every activity should have a corresponding result. And every result, you could reverse engineer to the activities you need to do amazing. I mean, that's, that's really powerful. And Parshall and I have talked about this exact topic before, you know, the power of having a process. And I think during the pandemic, right? I mean, gosh, we learned this more than ever that you might not be at work every day. You might not have your team right around you. So having a, a thorough process in place is really, really critical. And I've never thought about it quite the way that you just described it, but it's true. You know, I think we just assume, well, I'll always be there or Parshall will always be here. And we'll, we'll always know what's going on. It's like, gosh, not, not unfortunately, that's just not necessarily the case. Um, so how do you recommend that people do that, right? They they go through the different processes, they they document these things. Are there any other steps that we really should be mindful of as we're planning our sales process and then documenting it, of course? So one of my favorite acronyms is SMART. And a lot of people know about a SMART goal. It's specific, it's measurable, it's aligned with the company goals, it's realistic, and there's a time frame around it. There's activity goals and result goals. So once we get this game plan together, and you'll see a BDU goal sheet if you check out the resources, but once you got this game plan together, then you've got to measure it because a SMART goal without measurement is a SART goal. That's a corny joke, but um, it, it's pretty much true. So we've got to measure. So once we start the game plan, then we've got to measure what we're doing, the activity, the results, and we need to modify along the way. So the best way for everybody to start is we're sitting here almost the end of October. November 1st is right on Monday. So what are you going to do for the next November, December, January? And make it a rolling one. Get your activities together, results together. Figure out the smartest thing for you to be doing. First things first, A's, B's, and C's. And once you do that, then you see what kind of ROI you're getting out of your activities and figure out what you need to tweak. And another term that is near and dear to my heart, I thought I made it up, but I've heard it used in a similar type way, but I thought I made it up in the 90s when I was running a sales force for ADP, Automatic Data Processing. But I told my managers that you have a one-line job description. All you need to do is maximize the performance and the potential of your direct reports. So I came up with a methodology that I call triage. And we could all think in terms of triaging ourselves. 
what three areas that if improved upon are going to have the biggest impact on performance? Because I might need to improve in 10 areas, but I can't focus on 10 areas. So what are the three that if improved upon will have the biggest impact on my performance? So I had an example of a woman that was having trouble closing. Her boss was about to fire her. I spent an hour with her and realized three things. All her next steps were loosey-goosey. She was presenting before she found out what they cared about. And she wasn't putting her solution in the context of the problem. Once we were able to tweak those three areas, she ended up being number one in the quarter for two quarters in a row, hit her annual goal in August, and doubled her revenues. And it was three tweaks. So of all of us, and by the way, there's a triage visual I, um, that we have put together that allows you to kind of assess some of this stuff. But once you figure out where you could have the biggest impact on performance, and I'm going to tell you, most people, they don't have a game plan and they don't have a clear way to get enough net new appointments. I love this connecting activity to results and results to activity. I, you know, now that I own my own business, I really notice that, you know, I can, I can really see the difference between those times when I'm doing certain activities and the different results I'm getting. And sure, it might take three, six months to really, you know, penetrate, but, but wow, have I experienced that truly. And I think so often we think, well, I'm just going to call a bunch of people today and see what happens. Like, well, what, what results are you trying to get? And what, how are you measuring those things? It's so, so important. So that was, that was powerful for people listening in. Definitely. Thank you so much. And there's actually two words that go along with that sentiment. One is, and it's actually my very, very, very favorite word when it comes to sales and business development, and it's purposeful. Mm, we should never yes. do activity for activity's sake. It always needs a purpose. And then the corresponding word to that is accomplishment. So if we're more purposeful about what we're doing, so every appointment, event, whatever, we're thinking about what we want to accomplish from there, then you're going to find your productivity levels are going to go up tremendously because you've got a purpose. Yeah. Parshall knows. I, I talk about that all the time. I mean, it's everything. Why else are we working so hard? And, you know, a, a, another area I wanted to talk about with you, which this is a great segue into that was you talked about motivation. And I think when we have purpose, we have a lot more motivation. So, um, Parshall, I don't know if you had any other questions. I don't want to leave that space too early if you had another well, question. Well, no, that's, that's the exact direction I was going to go in as well, because, you know, when you hear um, tactics and, you know, anything that's going to help you get from where you are to where you're going, you know, it's just, I, I liken it to, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to the gym and work out, do these exercises, but there's something that comes up as a block, right? And those blocks are different for, for different people. And so it's, it's that, that, that struggle of knowing I should be doing these things, or these are things that I intend to do, but there's something that gets in the way. What are you finding that is that are those blocks for people around motivation and consistency and um, doing all of the things that are necessary? Like they sound simple. So does going to the gym sound simple, but <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's a whole other thing to actually do it. And it just uh, you know, for myself at time, I acknowledge where kind of what you said, Sarah. It's like okay, I'm just going to just call a bunch of people today and just see what happens. But, you know, that's not, that doesn't even feel motivating. It doesn't feel right that you're going towards anything that truly is meaningful and purposeful to you. So I'm um, just curious, especially around that mindset piece, um, where do you see most of the challenges? Oh, 
so much to talk about. So there's a difference between being willing to do something and committed to doing something. So I might be willing to go to the gym, but am I going to commit to going to the gym? I might be willing to do no carbs for three days, but am I going to commit to no carbs for three <laughs> days, right? So that's one of the things. I, Whenever I would look at somebody, I'd say willing, committed, able. I could teach them how to sell. But if they're only willing and not committed, I'm not interested. Because the fact of the matter is sales, business development, having your own business, no better thing. Because in the end of the day, you're your own boss, right? If you don't have your own company and you're working for another company, they pay for all the expenses. But you got to look at it like you're your own boss. Because this is not a nine-to-five job. This is something that if they're is a direct correlation between activity and results. The great thing is there's no cap to the results. And so I, you know, I wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to be a psychologist. If you met me when I was young, you would find someone that was shy and insecure. And the last thing I wanted to do in the whole wide world was sales. But the fact of the matter is now 60 years old, I say this is the best career out there bar none. You get to meet new people all the time. You get to help people out, get to make your own schedule. There's no cap to what you can make. But the only downside is why wouldn't everybody in this whole wide world be in sales? Because we never get to go like this. Because you're only as good as your last week, your last month, and your last quarter. So how do we continue to motivate ourselves? Well, you need some of that self-motivation. So last Thursday, I wasn't feeling up to making um, a specific appointment. And my boss is so mad at me that I didn't keep that one appointment. So why I bring that up is we have our own self-motivation. So it's not only setting goals for yourself, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and holding yourself accountable, but it's not being random about it. It's time activating. So if I say, okay, today, I want to generate one net new appointment, I got to look at my calendar and see where I could get that in. So to motivate ourselves, we've got to figure out what's driving us. So all my life, it wasn't about money, even though my dad had a lot of issues with money. It was about being the very best, but it is finding out what our own self-motivation is. Um, when you're younger, it's about building wealth. Or for me, it was going up that you know ladder so I could show a big corporation that you could be a mom and a VP of sales. But I used to assume everybody just wanted to be number one. You got to figure out what your own motivation is, whether it be money or promotion or being number one or whatever it is. And then look at life like this. You don't want to be old and gray sitting in your rocking chair saying shoulda, coulda, woulda. So there's one thing to not be successful and know you gave it your all. And then there's another thing not to be successful. No, you gave it a halfway effort. So just in case this is our only shot at life, then we don't want to be sitting here saying, I wish I had done this or I wish I had done this. Whatever you're going to do in life, whether it's your own business or working for a company, be the very best you could be. Give it your all all the time because there's no cap to what you could do in your life. Yeah. Amen to that. That's, that's amazing. That's really, <laughs> really, really powerful.
Wow. And the other thing too is, um, so on the other side, so when you talk about results and goals, nobody always hits the goals hundred percent. Right. So when that happens and you have, you have tried, you, you were committed and you uh, went that direction and, uh, but you didn't hit your goals. You were shy of the goals. How do you coach and navigate people through, through that? There's a reason why you didn't hit your goals. So again, there's a difference between your activity goals and result goals. You should always get your activity goals in. The result goals don't always come right away. But I guarantee you, if you continue with not only doing enough activities, but doing the right activities and make sure you're doing them correctly. So then we've just got to go in. And sometimes it is just a little tweak. Oh, you're forgetting to ask for the defined next step. Simple, simple thing. No loosey-goosey next steps. So when we're working with our clients, we're helping them figure out their triage areas, helping them come up with their game plan, and helping them throughout the process. So I just had one of my clients this morning, and she's against three other companies, and they want pricing tomorrow, and she wanted to figure out what she should be doing. So it is about big picture. What are we going to get done? And then how are we going to get done? What we need to get done and then figuring out the little steps. And a lot of those little steps, again, not to keep coming back to my workbook, but I didn't even think of some little steps. Like here's just a little example. You want to ask uncomfortable questions, decision maker makers, decision making criteria, what other alternatives that they're looking at. Is this a must have or like to have? What's their budget? All those questions, but how do we ask those questions? I not only wrote in the book what the questions are, but actually how to ask those specific questions. So we don't say, who's the decision maker? We say, who other than yourself is going to get involved in the decision? And if we want to soften questions, again, this is just a little nuance, but sometimes people are missing it. Just use a, a, a softening statement. Just out of curiosity, if you don't mind me asking, just so I know, just so I could get a better perspective. And then you could ask certain questions and have a, a certain comfort level in doing it. So again, all this stuff are nuances that I didn't even realize that I was doing in the past 35 years that I wanted to get down and give people some ideas of little tweaks that you can make that could have a huge impact on your success. I think that's 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 great because so often we're busy with the activities and maybe we're not getting the results that we want. So is that the type of thing that I could, you know, think about what I'm doing and go through the workbook and really define it? Or is there an opportunity to, to talk to you at all or, or have a coaching session with you? Like, what's the best? How do I know if I'm hitting all my marks or I do need I probably do need some tweaks? How what's the best way for me to go about finding those? Because so here's the deal easy to read this stuff and then go, oh, I don't know if that's I'm doing it right or not. So there's a bunch of things. First of all, if you get this book and you want some Lisa time, you just 
Send me a LinkedIn message and we'll get a time on the calendar. I'll spend 20 minutes with you and give you some thoughts and ideas and then we'll figure out what makes sense after that. So that's first of all. We also have a sales success peer group. We try to get a lot of information out in our newsletters and in our website. So I've tried to put together a whole bunch of tools that might be able to help you out individually. And you know what? Sometimes you just need somebody else to talk to that can give you an objective point of view. But all I could tell you is if you're willing to do what it takes to be successful and you're committed to doing it, this book and BDU are going to be able to help you with the how to do it and the ability to be successful doing it. And by the way, I used to think we could cookie cutter sales. So when I was started out as a sales manager, I wanted them all to be little Lisa Peskins. I wanted them to have my same work ethic and do things the way I did it. But what I came to realize is that everybody's got their unique areas of success and abilities and everybody's got their areas of opportunity. So I don't believe, although I did put together this workbook, it's really meant to be customized. So as you go through this, um, it's in workbook format. So you could actually fill in some of the key information within the workbook. So I've tried to give you some exercises that you could kind of work through that will enable you to do a lot of this stuff that we're talking about today. And all I could say is I wasn't always successful in sales. My very first job in 1986, I was actually fired, almost fired after my first three months. They gave me the yellow pages. They said, best of luck. They walked away. I called every attorney in Philadelphia. And then I overhear them talking about firing me. And I went to the store and I bought every cassette tape, Tom Hopkins, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy. And I talked to successful salespeople and finally figured out how to be successful in sales. Then I went over to ADP, the payroll company. I quit my one-year anniversary. I was not doing well at all. So guess what? I, I've i learned along the way that it's not always easy and all you could do is the very best you could do, but for any sales professional, business owner, whoever, it's about being mentally strong. And even if you're struggling, beef up your smart activities, the results will eventually follow. But make sure you're doing the right number of the right activities correctly. And if you're not, then it's a slight tweak. Focus on the areas that you could improve upon. I've never seen somebody that's not willing and committed that doesn't have decent people skills and communication skills that we haven't been successful in helping them be, be successful. And I love the peer group concept and, and thank you for that gracious invitation for people to reach out to you because I think that's what's sometimes so challenging is you're like, I'm doing great. I'm making all these calls and you could be forgetting to ask for, what did you say? The defined next, next step. Steps. Yeah. I mean, that's just, something so simple, but you could just be missing that step and adding one sentence to your email that says, you know, can I call you on Tuesday at 10? I mean, that's not a hard sentence to write, but, but it's easy to miss, right? And so I think that that's a wonderful uh, offering you have there. And this peer group is great. Yeah, no Lucy No Lucy Doocy. I'm telling you that woman I just told you about, 
She put this up on her computer. No loosey-goosey next steps. Always set the next step, the current step, because it saves yourself a step. You do that one little thing, because if you don't, then people go cold and you don't get them back on the calendar. So if someone says they're making a decision next week, set up an appointment. If you have a great preliminary conversation before you finish the conversation, let's get the other time on the calendar. And then you move things along. Yeah, it's 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 really important, and I think having people to just bounce these ideas off to, you know, even you know, Parshel, I've I've written this sales email. Can you take a look at it? You know, having peer review, and you've got a wonderful sales success peer group available for people in in your community. I mean, I just think that's such a wonderful opportunity for people because sometimes we think we're doing great, but it's really nice to have that outside perspective as well. Um, what about introverts? What if you know you're a business owner, you're more of an introvert, and this, this whole concept of, oh, I get to talk to new people every day and I love meeting all these new people. You know, some of the things you mentioned earlier, that's wonderful about having a, a role in sales. What can you say to the people that are introverts? Because I'm assuming there's some great uh, tactics in the workbook for them as well. So one of my clients was a banker. And when we started talking about her asking for referrals, because she was one of the smartest bankers I've ever worked with. She said, Lisa, you've got to stop. I said, what? She goes, I'm getting hives. She literally broke out in hives. And I said, don't worry. We're going to figure out the words that are going to come out of your mouth. And we worked on coming up with words that she felt comfortable with. that were still kind of in her comfort zone. And I remember Friday afternoon, I get a call out of the blue. And she goes, Lisa, you're going to be so proud of me. I actually asked and they gave me a referral. So some of the time it is practice. It's figuring out the words that they feel comfortable with or the email message that they feel comfortable with. And as far as asking for certain things, if we truly forget about us being salespeople and think about us as helping, then all we need to do is figure out how we can help them out. And a lot of us, I used to be an introvert. We're going to figure out how to build our existing client relations. You don't have to walk into a networking room and work a room. There are different activities for different individuals that will help them to be successful. And our route from where we are to success isn't often a straight line. Sometimes we get there in very different manners. So we've just got to figure out the smartest thing for each individual. Um, and then the last drawing I'm going to show you is this one. So there's a line in the sand that if I cross that line, I become that pushy car salesman, obnoxious, like all the bad connotations that we think about. But so many people are so afraid of being salesy that they step all the way back from the line. And that could manifest itself in not asking for the business, not asking a key question, not asking for a defined next step. So I'm never going to say cross that line, but we've got to get all the way up to that line. And so um, if we think about it as helping instead of selling, we'll feel more comfortable getting there, asking the appropriate questions. And the whole key is find a way that you can help somebody or a company out, either improve something or avoid something. Yeah, it, it, there's, there's so much there that's helpful for people who are intimidated by that. I was in marketing for most of my career, so I, I understand that side of things. 
salespeople would come to me all the time, aggressive salespeople, buy this software, buy this tool, we can do your Google ads, we can do your SEO, and I would be bombarded. And I think when I started my company, I wanted so kind of we're talking about the line. I wanted to be so far away from that because I had been dealt with pushy salespeople my entire career. And it was just the last thing I wanted. And a friend of mine said to me, he's like, Sarah, you will never be that. Like, it's just not in your DNA, right? You're, you're never going to treat someone the way that they treat people. He's like, you're worried about something that's just like, you're not capable of it. And I thought, Oh, that's, that's really interesting and refreshing. And I think when you can come at it from a perspective of helping people, you know, the more sales I do, the more people that I can help. And, you know, we're, we're all in that boat, the, the host of this podcast here. And I think that that's a really, a real powerful shift in selling. It, it so is. And he was so right in his advice that he gave you, because I don't know you that well, but I could see somebody that's intelligent, that's got a certain energy, that's got great communication skills. Like I've already figured that all about you <laughs> in this very short amount of time. So as long as you're genuine in your approach, and if you aren't able to help somebody, let them know. And as long as you're authentic and genuine, you don't have to worry about crossing the line. But a lot of times we have to be careful about projecting our inner thoughts on whomever we're speaking to. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. as long as I, I never feel like I'm selling anybody anything because I really do know that I'm able to help companies and individuals out. And as it's long true. as you've got that confidence then all it is is trying to figure out the best way you could help them out. Exactly. And I've really kind of crossed the line in the good way where, where I'm kind of past that point now. And I realize, gosh, the more conversations, the more sales I have, the more people I help. And now I, I live that and I'm not afraid of it anymore at all. But boy, was that when I first started, that was something that was really definitely a challenge for, for me. So and partial, what about you? I know you've got uh, experience in this space as well. No, absolutely. And, you know, you um, and I think, too, that because um, because you, we do sales, we also pay attention to when we're being sold or when, you know, so it's just really interesting. And I know that you having been a professional for this amount of time, one of the questions that came to mind was, I'm curious, what what's like your most interesting story where you were, you know, in a, in, in, in a conversation or a sales conversation or anything like that, but you were either just super delighted or maybe like not. I'm just curious, like what story stand out for you as like the ultimate well, like experience? The worst one was when I was in a car dealership and the controller brought me in her office and we had an initial conversation. She walked out and 15 minutes go by, half an hour goes by and I realized she left the building and just left me sitting there. So that might have been the very worst experience. Um, actually, I have two really bad ones. The second one was this person told me I got the deal. I knew I had a $4,000 commission. So I went and bought a car and two weeks later, she told me I didn't have the business. And so I went home that night. I was living with my parents. 
First thing I did was cry. Second thing I did was eat a whole half a gallon of ice cream in one sitting. Because by the way, when you start going around and get soft, then you're just dealing with one island in the middle. <laughs> you might as well just eat that too. <laughs> and then I borrowed $4,000 from my dad. So those were probably the two of the worst situations. But um, the best situation is an elongated one. It's when I learned about going after heavy hitters or in the back of the days, we call it an elephant program, where I'd have one big one kind of be sold each and every month. All of a sudden I got ahead of my quota. The little ones came to me, but I had a targeted program. And once I did that, talk about confidence. I keep sipping on my iced tea, but if everybody could raise their glass right now and drink a whole bottle of confidence, because if you think you can or can't, you're right. So that was some of my bad stories and some of my good ones. Here's to confidence. Yeah, cheers to that. Cheers to that. <laughs> yeah. And I think when you're, when you're thinking about sales too, you know, people are buying you in a lot of sense and there's so many, we all have such wonderful, unique qualities and abilities that people gravitate towards, like lean into that, whatever that is about you, that quirkiness, that uniqueness. I think that's something that's really powerful. You know, they can choose another sales coach, another productivity coach. They can choose someone else to make their videos for them, but why are they choosing us? Well, it's something about us that they gravitated towards. And I think that that's a really, uh, powerful thing with sales too. I don't know if you found that as well. So, you know, people buy from people that they like and people that they enjoy being around. So being real, using humor. And I always like somebody to know something about myself personally. And I like to find out something about them personally. So back 30 plus years ago, during my single days, Jewish mother, I went on over 70 blind dates, 70, seven zero. So I would tell like everybody about my crazy blind dates, but they got to know me as Lisa and not Lisa trying to sell them something. And then I always try to connect with them personally. Did they grow up near me? Did they go to Penn State or Temple? Did they go to a camp that I went to? What do I have in common with them? How can I find out about their family? How can I relate to them in a little bit of a different way. And once you start building that relationship and that trust level, people want to work with people that they do trust and that they know have their best interest at heart, but that they enjoy being around, that motivates them, that gets to have them think about things. I say, whether I'm doing a training, a coaching session or whatever, and even this, I my whole goal in this past almost hour is just to give some people some aha moments, some things that you could think about that you could take and implement right away that could help you to be more successful. I love it. And it sounds like from the workbook, we can do parts of it. You, you mentioned it being kind of a, a self-guided uh, opportunity to work and learn from you. And I, I think that's probably something that's important for people to understand too. You don't have to do probably every single part of the worksheet perfectly, but there's probably, you know, you do one step, then you do another step. Is that how the workbook is designed? It is. It's, it's designed. It's got a full table of contents. So you could go to any one section and look at what you need to work on and go right there. Tomorrow, I'm going to be completing a four-week course that we went through this entire workbook and there were, you know, interactive sessions. After January, I'm actually going to be offering it, but it's going to be 
eight two-hour sessions instead of four four-hour sessions. So anybody that might be interested in getting certified in sales, we're going to be doing that starting in January. But in the meantime, grab the book, go start working with it. And then if you want to get some Lisa time or you want to talk to any of our other coaches, we'll make sure we do that for you and see if we could give you some tools. So even if you're not as successful as you want to be right now, you've got two more months to not only finish the year strong, but get off to a really good start for next year. And as the activities that you do now will affect all of that. Definitely, definitely. So I want to, we got only a few minutes left. Lisa, I feel like we could talk to you for hours. This has been so fun. So can you tell us what's the best way for people, you know, to, to get to know you, get to know more about you, you know, what social media channels are you on? And definitely how do we buy this great workbook? So what probably is the very easiest way is to come on to the website, businessdevelopmentuniversity.com. Everything's going to be right there. You could sign up on the peer group. You can get information about the workbook, all the free stuff that we have going on. Also, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. But the easiest, very easiest way is just to reach out to me via LinkedIn or go to the website and start downloading some of these tools and you'll get all this information. This is on blurb.com. So I think there might even be some specials going on, but you can check us out on blurb. Just put in BBU sales success workbook. And if you need any other information, just reach out and we'll give it to you. Love this. This is great. There's so many wonderful resources packed into there. You've, there's obviously such a giving spirit and you're, you're obviously willing to help people. So that's, that's great. We're going to wrap up this episode with what are you into right now? So Lisa, I'll give you a minute to think about that. Parshall, do you have anything you're into this week? Um, you know what? I, <laughs> so I'm not super into it, but I do it for my girlfriend during the Halloween season, which is to catch some type of scary movie series. So I, <laughs> I watched uh, American Horror Story with her and it's, so I've been kind of into that, but it's extremely seasonal because I do not like <laughs> gravitate towards it. But with Halloween coming up, why not? Great, great. Lisa, what are you into? So I'm into cherishing and appreciating. So I always thought I cherished and appreciated until COVID. And then I realized I wasn't even cherishing and appreciating my sister's hugs that it took me over a year to get a hug. So I said, this is my decade of cherishing and appreciating, not letting little things go and making sure that I appreciate my time with my friends, um, having the opportunity to do something like this, not taking life for granted. Yeah, that's really, really cool. And I, I think I would align with that. I really love October. It's just my absolute favorite time of year. I live in the Northeast. It's beautiful here this time of year. And we have been, my husband and I have both been so busy with different projects and things we're working on. And a friend of ours said, can we go up and drive into the Pocono Mountains this weekend and look at the foliage and go to a winery? And I, we were both like, we're so busy, blah, blah, But we actually did. And it was, it was really about what you're saying, you know, just like having that opportunity to be in the moment. Like, you know, winter is coming, people. We can work all winter, but this fall, this gor these gorgeous days are going to be over soon. We've really got to soak them in and enjoy this, this time that we, that we have. So I really like that. And I to totally agree. That's what I'm into now as well. 
And it's funny, cool. usually I'm always with like something like what you guys said, and today I mentioned a horror. Ah! I am yeah, not it's... in the horror. <laughs> on our journey, yeah, on our journey, we drove by a haunted houses. And if you if we go there, I'm you know, I'm saying it, I'm leaving my seatbelt out of the car. No way. <laughs> can't do that can't do that no this is great this is great well lisa thank you so much for joining us today i hope everybody takes advantage of some of these wonderful resources we'll definitely be connecting with you um but this was just a great a great conversation and so tactical and so helpful for people who are in sales and want to be in sales definitely thank you well i I can't thank you both enough. Um, I think I could have probably talked to you for hours and hours. So um, I really appreciate all your thought-provoking questions. And I can't even believe the time has gone by so quickly. So thank you. And thank you to all the listeners. Hopefully we've given you a couple things that you could think about that could help you. Definitely. Great. Thanks, everyone.